0: Well, I wanted to start out today. We're going to make this pretty interactive, so hope you're ready for that. I love awkward silences, so you're going to have to fill them. (laughs) First thing I want to start off with is I need some examples from you guys of what the world thinks is a spiritual experience. Can anybody give me some? Oh, wow. Being in a war zone? Okay. War zone. Correct. Find your spirit animal. Oh, I like that. Ooh, spirit animal. <laughs> having having a perceived unique thought that you think solves your problem. Meditation. I like that, yeah. Epiphanies, that's a bit, okay. Self-discovery, I like that. Be your best self. <laughs> Oprah. I'm going to put that over with the war (laughs) zone. Ghosts. I like that one, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Gosh, there's too many of these.
0: (laughs) Memories from reincarnation like previous life. Oh, prior memories. Okay. Yeah, like, well, I don't even know what to do. <laughs> tribal rituals. Tribal dances. You do, you get a lot of that? Yeah. You do a lot of tribal dance? I mean, yeah. you're around tribal dances? A lot. Okay. I guess we'll put that in here, too. self-mutilation. <laughs> okay. Asceticism? Tattoos, what, man, you guys have a, I thought this was going to be slow, (laughs) no, you guys got a lot of baggage, all right, um, how about dreams, (laughs) anybody, (laughs) I was thinking, (laughs) maybe some, (laughs) yeah, easy stuff, maybe some visions, anyways, All right, before we go any further, I'm just going to leave that up there for a bit. Um, Men who are in the congregation, I've asked a number of you to read, so prepare for that. And then I'm going to talk to you about 1 John 1. Um, So I'm going to go through the whole book of 1 John. Uh, It'll take about seven years. And um, we're going to parse every word in Greek. Um, (laughs) No, but I just want to talk to you about the setting, first of all. This is a, a... Kind of serves as a foil to Galatians. So the Galatians were struggling with their identity being in the law of Moses. The people in First John are struggling with their identity being in pagan stuff. Okay, and has a lot to do with the things that you've uh, so graciously filled the board with. <laughs> uh, but we have a divided Gentile church. This is a late first century pro- uh, date, probably, and so um, Christianity's starting to take on a bit of, more of a Gentile flavor. Uh, at this time, and the Christians are really having trouble ex- distinguishing between who is really in the faith and who is not. And that's really what First um, John, I think, is about. And the situation is extremely gray, so I'm going to draw some fog. That's fog, <laughs> not cauliflower. Um, we're very pro cauliflower. Um, yeah, it teaches us about our identity in Christ. I think that's a big, big theme in First John. The purpose of why he's writing is so that he can have fellowship with the true believers there. But he's going to speak to identity a lot. He's also going to talk about the nature of sin. And he's going to talk about the greatest commands. So you'll see these things repeated over and over. And what he's trying to do here is to bring clarity to a people who are very confused. Because pagans seem confused. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not going to have this fog after reading First John. And that's what throws people off sometimes when you read John. It seems so basic that it, you're trying to make it complicated in your mind. But you have to remember he's trying to talk to people like they're five-year-olds. Okay? So we'll get into that in a little bit. Um, let's, uh, let's start off, though. Let's do some readings. So who's got Deuteronomy 15? I think that's... 19? That's what I meant. Thank you, 19. Verse 15b, a matter must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Yes. That, I don't know if you've read the Gospel of John, that comes up all the time. And it's going to come up in this book as well. Uh, Very central to Jewish thought is you've got to have two or three witnesses to establish something. It kind of gets in the way of your individual spiritual experiences, honestly. (laughs) Um, you got Luke. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile the narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who were from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word who delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certain certainty concerning the things you have been taught. Absolutely. That's, that's our people. This is what we do. We, we like evidence. Yeah? We like eyewitness testimony. Uh, anybody got Acts 2.22? Hopefully I got the verse right. Then of Israel, hear these words. Jesus, Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did for them in your midst, as you yourself know. Yeah, it doesn't just, um, it's not just based on sort of uh, empirical evidence that is non-spiritual in nature, but also it's empirical um, miracles, signs, wonders. What was interesting about what he read was no one could deny that right? It wasn't something he did in a closet somewhere. He didn't, you know, have smoke and mirrors and things. It was something that no one could deny. He did it very publicly uh, to attest that he was from God. He's got Second Corinthians 12. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with utmost patience, with signs and wonders and mighty works. Yep, the same thing there got signs, we got evidence going along with us. And who has Hebrews 2, second part of verse 3-4? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God God, also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts from the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. So He attested to the truth. All these things come together. The eyewitness testimony, the miracles, the signs, All these things came together to give us our base of evidence. I'm going to start reading 1 John now. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testify to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that, also, uh, that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father, and with his Son, Christ Jesus. We write this to make our joy complete. So, <clears throat> does ev- evidence matter to John? I think so. He's... Being, he's going at great lengths to tell you that this is something that actually happened. We touched it. We saw it. And it's not just me. It's we. You see that in the passage? So that's how he's going to clear up the, 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 um, the problem here. The, one of the things that's difficult about epistles is you don't know what they're responding to exactly, right? They're sort of the answers to questions that came, and you don't have all the questions necessarily. So you have to look at the answers that he's giving to try to understand what's going on. We will uh, get into that. But one thing I just want to say is, evidence is amazing, isn't it? That God would sort of do the risky thing and say, yeah, you can quote me on that. Yeah, I'll step into history and I'll perform all these miracles and you can go back and, and see if they happened. You know, This isn't some guy who sat under a tree for a very long time, depriving himself of food and he had a spiritual experience. It's stuff that you could touch and see and hold and people testified to it over time and not just one person but many people that's an amazing thing it's really key to understanding the christian worldview we care about the truth not just your truth it's not scary to us evidence is not scary to us if you're intellectually honest it's you know god is proven right um, I love it too when you ever see some initial finding, some, um, you know, oh, that city never existed in Israel. You know, I remember seeing some of that stuff about, you know, in archaeology, like, sword never existed. We, ne-, you know, Lachish never existed. There's no archaeological evidence later. And then, like, 50 years later, like, well, actually, <laughs> 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 we found it, you know? <laughs> and I love that. You just, just, just sit back. You don't even have to argue sometimes. Just sit back, wait 50 years. I don't know if you got that much time. <clears throat> but time has proven us right, well, really proven God right, over and over. I want to contrast that with intuition, though, um, which is especially important to Eastern religions. Um, and one of the many manifestations that maybe you've not heard of is called Gnosticism. You guys, heard of Gnosticism? Wow. Okay. Well, that went 30 minutes of my time. You can have that back. Let's baptize. (laughs) All right. (laughs) I'll just say God's not really impressed with your spiritual intuition. Amen. (laughs) Uh, And and some things we're going to read. We're going to just read a few verses. Who's got Jeremiah 23? Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord. To tell them and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness. Yet I sent them not, nor commanded them. Therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the Lord. Let's go Jeremiah 29. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. Amen. And, and then he's got Ezekiel 13. They have seen false visions and lying divinations. They say, declares the Lord, when the Lord has not sent them, and yet they expect him to fulfill their word. Have you not seen a false vision and uttered a lying divination? Whenever you have said, declares the Lord, although I have not spoken. Yeah, we're not like that at all anymore. Um, (laughs) I remember reading through Jeremiah. It's a very painful experience to read through the book of Jeremiah. But, you know, Jeremiah was basically gloom and doom, but he was speaking the truth. And the people of that day didn't really like that. Um, And so they were very convincingly telling people, this is how the Lord's going to break the yoke that's over you. And, you know, they smash the yoke and it declares the Lord, you know. And the guy died like two months later. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, it was interesting how much their their message had to be of positivity, you know. And they were having these, I, I think they had false dreams or false visions themselves. They had these spiritual experiences that were going against the Lord and they were declaring them to the people as if they would come true, like uh, we saw in Ezekiel. You know, <laughs> declaring things to make them true. What does that sound like? You name it, and then you... Oh. Yeah, Gnosticism probably isn't <laughs> something to worry about these days, all right? Um, you know, we talked about these uh, spiritual experiences, but um, I kind of classified them as crazy and... <laughs> And kind of weird and maybe acceptable. Um, so maybe I should have put the this stuff more over here. But, you know, if you have an epiphany from the Lord, you need to test that against the evidence that is in the Bible, right? And talk to your fellow man about this. Doesn't have to be a man, but you know what I mean. Um, if you have a dream or a vision, let's talk about that, okay? You don't want to be the guy that's, like, declaring something from the Lord that isn't really from him or goes against his ways. You don't want to be that. Let's see. Is there anything up here? So, yeah, let's just put all this away. <laughs> there are spiritual experiences, but they are sort of supplementary for us. The central um, thing of our, our faith is, is the evidence of God. I know we talk about faith a lot, but I think the thing that's harder with faith is trusting God's character in hard circumstances, right? Right? He doesn't ask us to be, you know, people who ignore evidence. That's not what faith means. A little bit of history on Gnosticism, because we're still talking about this. In 1945, there was a library of books um, discovered. Does anybody know uh, what I'm going to say? You know. I know you know. (laughs) The Dead Sea Scrolls? Okay. The Nag Hammadi texts. Anybody heard of those? Yeah, they're really crazy. Um, (laughs) So you might hear some names like Elaine Pagels or uh, James Robinson, and they took this um, discovery of these texts um, after they had sifted through them a bit. They took it as a way to bash what's called the biblical canon. In other words, what are the authorized books in the Bible, right? And they were just claiming that the church violently suppressed the truth so that you didn't get these wonderful books that you were missing out on. And uh, Elaine Pagels, in particular, really uh, tried to revive Gnosticism as a uh, a religion that people should be, you know, experiencing in their their homes. And um, Dan Brown kind of built on top of this, and that's where you get the Da Vinci Code and fun stuff like that. Um, (laughs) They were trying to spread those ideas, and it turns out people didn't didn't really go too hard for it. But um, I'm going to... Reveal some of these hidden truths to you from the Gnostics. Are you guys ready? <laughs> banned books in the church. <laughs> All right, this is from the Gospel of Thomas. Simon Peter says to them, Let Mary go out from our midst, for women are not worthy of life. Jesus says, See, I will draw her so as to make her male, so that she also may become a living spirit like you males. <laughs> Isn't that a ma- for every woman who has become male will enter the kingdom of heaven. You guys ready to convert? No? This is crazy, right? And this is what was hidden from you, good people. Um, the, the infancy gospel of Thomas has some... You, ever, you guys ever try to fill in the blanks between when Jesus was born and when he came to public ministry? You ever seen a movie about that? hmm how about check out this? This is where they tried to fill in the blanks. Um, there was a little boy. I'm just going to talk about it. So Jesus, in his amazing power as a, as a young man, he saw a muddy puddle, and then he made it clear, you know, just kind of sifted the, the dirt out, and it was just pure water. And this little kid, you know, being a stinker, he came in with a stick and stirred it up again and got it all muddy. And little Jesus killed him. Oh, Man, that you, know, you guys are really missing out on important stuff. This next one is a little bit more important. I bet Robert's going to be able to give me the answer on it. Jesus, he uh, was playing around as a little kid. He took some clay that he had found, and he, he made some birds and whew, breathed life into them, and they came to life. That was from the Embassy Gospel Thomas, but where does that appear in another religious book? There you go, the Quran, that's right. So you say to yourself, well, these Gnostics, maybe, that's, maybe they're not that influential. A little bit, a little bit. That heresy spread, and you've got to understand, you know, probably a billion people are influenced by a Gnostic text that has no bearing on the truth. Gnosticism is this hodgepodge of Eastern beliefs, universal divinity, I'm divine, you're divine, the dog's divine, the chair's divine. <laughs> you know, pantheism is what it's called. You got salvation by special knowledge or gnosis. That's why they're called Gnostics. It's the Greek word for knowledge. And salvation by spiritual experiences. Have you ever heard that you have to have a special spiritual experience of some kind to be saved? Yeah, there you go. That's Gnosticism. Thank you very much. Now, Your testimony is a spiritual experience, is it not? That is a good thing. We don't want to knock everything. We just want to discern. We don't just accept things because they happen to us. We have to discern by the word. It's an old enemy, still plagues the church, um, especially when we talk about individual spiritual experiences and how they relate to the truth. Um, one of the things that you might hear is maybe like your, tes- your personal testimony is maybe more powerful than just preaching. i got to tell you, I-, I love our, we got to share our personal testimonies. But at the same time, the power really comes from the word of God when we preach it. It doesn't say in Hebrews that your personal testimony pierces a person to the division of bone and marrow, right, spirit and soul. It doesn't say that. It says it's the word of God that has that power. Keep that in mind when you're witnessing, by the way. Don't let the, that idea of my experience, you know, is so powerful kind of thing. Let God, or embrace that God, uh, his word is what's going to drive people to him. Well said. Yeah, thanks, Robert. <laughs> All right, some other stuff <clears throat> about Gnostics. They love dividing up the, the material and the spiritual. Now, when you divide material things from spiritual things, that's a real pagan thing. This is not a real Jewish thing, by the way. The Jews didn't have this separation of, of material and spiritual. It was all one thing. And, you know, There was no compartmentalizing there. But material is evil, and all spiritual things are good. With all those spiritual experiences that we listed up there, were they all good? No. All right. They, um, now, I hate putting them here, but just bear with me. They would say that since God created the material, he is evil. <clears throat> yeah. So they would say that um, because he dealt with material things, the God of the Old Testament was mean and cruel and evil and completely different from Jesus... Who is spirit? So, one of the things that they denied about Jesus was that he physically came and that he physically died, which is something that the, the Koran does, does deny that Jesus came, uh, died in, in reality. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's, uh, there's a couple different ways that you can go with this. And I'm sorry that I'm going so much on Gnosticism, it makes a difference, and you'll see. <laughs> So, if you believe that, the, that God and the material, uh, anything material is evil, what do you do with sin? Okay. Uh, well, let me read my notes because I forgot. <laughs> yeah, when, you, when you're able to uh, kind of compartmentalize, what you can do is you can either go ascetic, where, um, you know, asceticism... I probably spelled that wrong, but you can like punish your body for the purpose of purging um, the evil from it. Okay, And then you've got the other side of it where you say, well, my body's going to do whatever it um, wants. Anyways, it has needs, you know, food for the body <laughs> or food for the stomach, stomach for food. Uh, the libertinism is just like, you know what, just give the, the body whatever it wants. It has no effect on the spiritual because spiritual is... Very different. And then it says whatever experience you have over here in the spiritual realm is good. You have to be real careful about that, guys. I know it's boring. I know it's weird. But you have to be careful about this. And I say this especially for the young folks who, you know, when they grow up and they maybe aren't here in this church and they're going and um, checking out, uh, you know, other denominations or whatever it may be, you have to be really careful about this. Um, I personally, and no, no um, not trying to knock the Church of Christ in particular for my Church of Christ bros here, but um, I saw a lot of guys in Bible college that, you know, they denied it. All these spiritual things were real. And so they went out and they, they actually brushed up against a lot of these experiences, and they didn't understand that they were going through it. I was with, um, what was it, discipling a whole nation, John White, right? And... Um, I was out there in Colorado and we had a guy who just went full into what he thought was this Christian idea of seeking the Holy Spirit. And his idea was you close your eyes and whatever images come to mind that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Okay, anybody know what the real word for that is? Mysticism a little bit deeper there. Transcendentalism that's yes and And then you get into guided meditation and all that kind of stuff. It was all Eastern ideas, and he just didn't understand that just because he was having a spiritual experience, that it wasn't from God. And it imploded in a horrible fashion for his family, and I don't want that for you guys. Beware of people who have this new way of communicating with God. It's nothing new. All right. All right. I'm going to read uh, with First John uh, verses five through six. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you: God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Amen. What is he saying there? Wrong. You guys are wrong. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So, that one's off the board. You can't be close to God and remain this walking in sin person, you know, walking in darkness. Um, What happened here? Yeah, so it's really important to understand the context. Because if you read something simple like that, you're like, why, "Why would John say something so juvenile or something?" You know, God is like, duh. You know, God is good." Okay. No, this is something that he had to bring clarity to in this particular circumstance. God is good. First John seven through 10. So I guess we'll be finishing up on that one. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. and his word has no place in our lives. If you don't understand the Gnostic excuse for sin, you really don't understand what he's trying to say here, because he's seemingly paradoxical in his statements, right? Because he's saying anybody who walks in sin doesn't have fellowship with the Father. Uh, But then if you claim you don't have any sin, (laughs) the truth is not in you, and you know, we messed up anyways. But if you understand it in this context, you realize he's talking to people who they believe both ways of things, that you can walk in sin and be close to God. And he's talking to people who they, they don't think they sin at all, that there's no such thing as sin, that it's just a material experience. So I know we try to unravel John a lot and try to figure out what's the balance between all these terms, It's better just to understand the audience he's talking to. So tell me some excuses that we have for sin. You know, talk about other people, not yourself. Makes it easier. Oh. Yeah, that's actually the devil kind of like a kidney but you know <laughs> It's not that big of a deal. Just do it. That's awful. <laughs> oh. Was born this way. Yeah, born this way. There you go. I like that one. <laughs> There's a better outcome if I do it. Oh. The ends justify the means, maybe? hmm This one, I feel like, is a little tricky, is that well, God will forgive me because he's full of grace and mercy, so why don't I just not worry about it so much? For, yeah, uh, forgiveness is easier than permission, something yeah. like that? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. There you go. That was <laughs> Was in it. Ooh. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and not. <laughs> uh, I'm over here. So and so did it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and they're Christ followers. So how can I? Cannot... Stace, is, is this assuming these are believers making this statement or unbelievers? The reason I ask, I saw, I, I saw Richard Dawkins from the East River. He was at a crone gate rally, and there was a big bus that said, uh, God probably doesn't exist, but live the life we want to. Not going to write that. How about about no consequences? Mm. Look at you. You knew what I was saying. (laughs) had a mind meld on that one. We make a lot of excuses for sin, Mm. and John's going to come at you, unfortunately, or fortunately, whatever you want to say, and it's going to confront it. Um, sin, I think the world has this idea that it's the spiritual demerit on your report card, right? And uh, if you just get enough A's in some other subjects, then, you know, it's okay. Your GPA will be good enough, right? And uh, it's kind of a joke, right? Sin, you know, oh, man, I love the Lord, but sin is just so much fun. I heard a guy while I was out street preaching in Florida. <laughs> I was like, sin will kill you, you know? <laughs> sin leads you to death. You know, if you compartmentalize sin and you make it such a spiritual thing on this, or I don't know what you would call it because it's not spiritual, but if you only view it as something that is for the spirit world, you don't understand sin. John's going to drive that home for us, that sin can lead to death. Yeah. And that's its kind of natural way of things, and it separates you from God. So we need to get rid of these excuses. We need to be serious with sin And deal with it. This is my summary, by the way. So you guys with the baptism stuff can start getting ready. God is the God of our whole life. There's no division between the spiritual that we have on Sunday and the physical or back to non-church world on Monday. I know that's a tired kind of cliche, but it's true. Our spirits and our bodies must obey him, not just one or the other. I love baptism because it is this picture. It is this way that it's not just that we're saying Jesus is Lord with our heart, but we say it with our body because the whole thing belongs to him. And um, yeah, the revealed universal truth of God, it is absolutely superior to your personal experiences. I'm sorry if that hurts you, (laughs) but you have to know the truth there. Always go back and compare it against the Word of God. Talk to us about the things that you're experiencing. That way you're not led astray. Um, So yeah, just pray pray with me on this. Lord God, we praise you so much that you saw fit to speak to these people who were struggling with the idea of their identity in Christ. With all these uh, different ideas about how things should be, we need clarity in our lives. It is... We can't even science anymore <laughs> correctly. We need clarity. We need truth, oh God, from your mouth. Lord God, help us to be the people who are pillars of truth as you said we are in your word. Help that to be the thing that we long for, to be clear, to be true. We praise you, Lord. Thank you for keeping us safe. Thank you for preserving us from these uh, wicked ideas that are out there, ideas that would make us think we have to change into some other gender in order to be saved, something that apparently plagued them from the first century and before, and that we never thought we'd see here today. The simplicity of your truth, just magnificent how it just says, you made man and woman Lord you also are the god of not just this material world but also of the things unseen. We praise you God that we don't have to go to all these thousands of different gods for each and every portion of our life. But the truth is is that you rule over it all and we're just so thankful that we don't have a divided life that we can just live for you and that's enough. Thank you Lord for taking risks. Not that you have any risks but a human term thank you for doing that risky thing and allowing yourself to be examined by evidence not by our feelings or our intuition or our individual experiences you are the solid rock on which we stand and we're so thankful that you never ever change and you never ever move unlike this world in jesus name amen This message was produced by the New Testament Reformation Fellowship, reforming today's church with New Testament church practices. Permission is hereby granted for you to reproduce this message. You can find us on the web at www.ntrf.org. May God bless you as you seek to follow Him in complete obedience to His Word. May your faith in the Lord Jesus be strengthened and your daily walk with Him deepened.